Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Inspiration, brave action, and heartwarming journeys. This is what the Louise H. Reed Show brings you. Now, here's your host. Louise H. Reed. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me this wonderful Tuesday. I am your host, Louise H. Reed, with Contacts Talk Radio, with listeners in over 145 countries and with millions of iTunes downloads each month. I am the fortunate host here every Tuesday at this time to explore the incredible journey of amazing people. People like Jude, our amazing guest today, who have truly embraced the notion of taking brave, bold action in pursuit of their dreams and goals. I'd like to remind everyone that you can find information about my radio show and a recording of this live show um, and information about my weekly guests like Jude on my website, louisehreed.com. So now I'd like to tell you a little bit about Jude and welcome Jude to the show. So welcome, Jude. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks. I'm delighted to be with you. I have it's a so new experience. It is. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy to, to be experiencing this with you. So I have so much juicy stuff to be inquiring about because I read your, your ebook with, 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 great, uh, with great pleasure. But before we get to that, I'd just like to share with the listening audience a little bit of insight into you. So Jude Walsh is a published author and coach at Second Bloom Coaching. What I love most about Jude is her storytelling, is her openness and her humor. Jude is grounded and humble and kind. A little bit more background and insight into Jude. In 1999, Jude, Jude co-founded a school with a group of creative dreamers who mutually decided her official job title was teacher coach. Jude's superpower is seeing the best, seeing what is possible in people, and helping them to see it too. At Second Bloom Coaching, Jude works with women who are ready to create their ideal lives. Many of these women are recently post recently divorced or post a long-term relationship. Others are just ready to embrace something new and need help figuring out what that something might be and figuring out a plan to make it happen. And then finally, in the ebook that I just referenced, Post-Divorce Bliss, Ending Us and Finding Me, is a bestseller in the US, in Canada, and Australia. 
And I'm really happy to share that the print edition is coming soon in June 2019. So there you go, Jude. There's the, there's the, uh, the sometimes difficult to hear bio. And that's <laughs> what I know of you and love of you. And once again, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that beautiful introduction. And I, I do want to add some news that I have. I uh, just met with my publisher, um, Morgan James, and they have decided that my book is also going to be available as an audio book, which Fantastic. just thrills me. It's awesome. You know, people like to consume information in very different ways. So what a great way to get your story and your message and your resources out to a broader audience. Yeah, I found with um, a lot of women, uh, divorce can be traumatic. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's difficult to read. You know, it's just hard to, to make sense out of the print. I know when I was in the throes of divorce, I was listening to a lot of audiobooks, so I'm delighted it's going to be out there that way. Wow, yeah, and we'll explore that a little bit more. I recall reading that in the in your ebook about how that was something that that you were challenged with, and and I didn't know that that was normal either because I read that in your book and realized I too had experienced that, and I thought it was a me thing instead of a. Um, a more normal sort of experience that people go through during during divorce. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a in a, in a moment. I um, have alluded to this before with you, Jude, but I really wanted to emphasize the power uh, and the impact that your book had on me. And so um, I read your ebook because you're going to be this um, awesome guest on my show, <laughs> and I thought that was doing my homework. Um, and what I was shocked at was the impact it truly truly had on me as someone who uh, is divorced and, and believed that I've gone through the process of and the emotions and, and the ups and the downs of what comes with, with getting divorced. And I've found a new love and, and we're engaged and, and things are great. What your book made me realize was that the sadness I still get from time to time is totally normal. You really normalized those feelings for me. And I was really grateful for that. So I wanted to say thank you. You are so welcome. Because it's true, even if you're completely over the divorce and moving on, you will still have those moments. And it's normal. It's completely normal. Uh, and I'm glad to hear you say that because that was one of my goals with writing this book was to share with other people that you're not the only one and it's okay. You're yeah. going to be fine. I think this, there's so many gems that I took from this book and I've earmarked some of them and some of the pages and over the course of the next hour, I hope to be exploring most of those, if not all of those with you. But before we get too far into it, I want to let listeners know that you are kindly offering a free copy of your ebook. So once yes. again, the ebook is called Post-Divorce Bliss, Ending Us and Finding Me. How can people get a copy of that, Jude? Before we start exploring it a little bit, how can they get their hands on that? Uh, all they have to do is email me at jude, J-U-D-E, at second, and it's spelled out, secondbloomcoaching.com, and in the subject line, put free book. And I will email them a PDF. They can have it immediately. Fantastic. With, with, with 
great pleasure on my part. That's, that's wonderful. I, I know that one of the things that was really important to you, so putting some words, well, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I know what really compels you to, um, to share this book with, with, with others and create this book was that you obviously went through the process uh, and really wanted to make sure that others who may not have had access to the same resources as you could still go through the process and have access through through your sharing. So that was touching for me and I thought was a really valuable thing for listeners to know that that's what, that was a lot of what was behind this for you. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, not, I, I was privileged enough to have access to the best help possible. And even having that, it took me years to sort through what I needed when and, and the different aspects of it. And my goal with this book was to put everything in one place that I would have liked to have had back then. I want it to be easier and faster for other women. Um, and, and, I think, and I think you've done exactly that. And you do feel so alone when you're going through the process, don't you? Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and you feel devalued somehow. It's just, it's just not fun. It's really Nobody ever fun. says, oh, divorce was so much fun. That's why, <laughs> that's why bliss is in the title. I want them to know once you get post this, bliss is possible. Bliss is possible. And it so is. So let's, let's, talk, let's hear a little bit about your, your journey. Tell us a little bit about what happened you know, through, through your life that got you to the point of writing this book. Oh, sure. I married my high school sweetheart. Uh, believe it or not. And we, we were the couple that everybody wanted to be like, it's like, I want my marriage to be like yours. You guys are so in sync with one another. And uh, I put him through law school. And uh, we had a child together who had a lot of uh, health challenges and we weathered all that. And we were finally at the point where I could spend a little time I was teaching, and I could spend a little time on my my career and met these amazing dreamer teachers. And we started a school that was phenomenal. And so for the first time in our marriage, I was sort of more in the spotlight, a little more successful than he was. And um, I felt a little edge there and I didn't know why. Um, and I thought, well, it's probably a midlife crisis and I love him more than anything and we'll just weather that. Well, that became more difficult when I found out he was having an affair and that developed into a mistress. So clearly wow. <laughs> things were not what I thought they were. It was very traumatizing for me. It just, it was just traumatic. My whole life fell apart. <clears throat> I ended up leaving teaching early because I just, I couldn't function. I was just so traumatized. And throughout of that, I was journaling. I've always been a journalist since I was a young girl. And the more I wrote, the more it helped me. So I took very, very careful notes and journaling while I was going through this process. And that's, that's pretty much uh, the basis for a lot of the information in the book. So wow. it's my desire to help somebody else along the path. What I really appreciated through the book as well was how you intertwined your own experiences and stories of women who you have coached, obviously maintaining their confidentiality, but you know, mm -hmm. you brought in those real examples and it personalized it so much. I felt like you were writing it for me. 
Oh, what a lovely compliment. Thank you. Uh, yes, you, you, you're welcome. And I, um, I wasn't expecting that. And I think that if I had had my hands on this earlier, I would have felt so much comfort. And I actually would have felt like someone was caring for me. Those, so this is why I really wanted to actually mention at the beginning, you know, a few minutes ago about what was behind your desire to share. Um, and that's really, I think, has come through the way you have woven your words together there is love and kindness through it. And I have never experienced that in a book before. Oh, thank you. I, I, my goal was to nurture the women as they, as they travel their path. Oh, really? That sounds so lovely. And you did that. <laughs> Yay. You did that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I do coach women. I, I thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, but not everybody can, can do that. Uh, and that's why the book is out there, because I really, really want to help other people, not just the people I coach, but some other women too. And um, sometimes you're not quite ready to be coached until you read something and you go, oh, okay, here's where I need to go next. And for me, that's what I would do. I would work on myself for a while and I would get to a point and it would be like, I, I know what I want to do, but I don't know how to do this. That was when I would get a coach or you know, a, a, someone to help me along. But I'm really hoping this book will will give people that solid ground under their feet. Yeah, and I think for some women, hopefully for a lot of women, it will, it will be enough. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, with my, with my own coaching pra practice, I do like to give a lot of tools and resources and make those things readily available. But then there are those individuals, and there's nothing wrong with this. There are the individuals that read that and think, this is fantastic, but I still am at a place I need someone mm -hmm. to guide me through the process yeah i need yeah i need more and i guess that was the other piece of it was to leave women with the idea that you are worth more right. if that's what you need you take care of yourself you you get that you, know, you go out you find a coach and and you do it you just do it support so groups it's all good what would what's the I, I do want to jump into the book but i do have a question that i'm wondering if other listeners may have right now so why would someone choose a coach over a therapist Tell me, help us decipher the difference between those two systems. Yeah. yeah. With, uh, and I've had years of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so grateful and appreciative of that. And a lot of times, well, for me, I'll, I'll speak personally, therapy was about going backwards, figuring out um, things rooted in my childhood and how I got here. And um, it, it was very intense. For me, coaching is all about where are you now and where do you want to go? What is it about your life that you want? I want, I want my clients to dream big, you know, and, and especially if you've been married a long time or in a relationship for a long time, you've been living as part of a couple. You've been an us. And, and that's how you do things. You consider someone else first or you consider things together. Divorce can end that very abruptly. So your whole life has changed. You need to go from us to me. And that's for me is what coaching is about. You know, we figure out, and, and that's why my, my superpower comes into play here. Because mm -hmm. when, I, when I get talking with someone, I see their light shining very fast. Yeah. And I often see their strengths. And sometimes post-divorce, you're not seeing it anymore. You're not feeling it. 
And it's not really a therapeutic issue. It's a mindset issue. Mm -hmm. So we shift mindset about, well, what really lights you up? And what, what didn't you do while you were married that you would like to do? And what part of you have you left untapped? And that's where life coaching comes into play. It's like, let's figure out what those things are and let's make a plan. You know, let's figure out how to get you there. Uh, it's so much fun. I love doing this. I just love it. It, it comes through in how you convey it. Absolutely. And I, I am one of the reasons why I was so excited and I'm so excited to have you on the show is that I had never heard or thought of a divorce. Well, what do you call yourself? A divorce coach? A post? What, yeah. what, what would someone be looking for if they are in there listening right now and thinking, oh my gosh, I need one of those? Yeah, it usually comes under like divorce or relationship coaching, but I prefer to call myself a clarity coach. Okay. You know, let me help you find clarity um, to live your best life. Doesn't that sound so much better? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It sounds, full, it sounds full of possibility. Yeah, because the divorce is, is, is such a small part. Yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and yucky's a very good word. I could think of others, but yucky will do. It, it was, it, for me, it was just demoralizing. I just, I kind of lost my mojo for a while. And um, getting it back, you know, getting back that, like, okay, that was bad. <laughs> I didn't like that but it is behind me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to clean the residuals up and move on. <clears throat> you know, I think you'll probably ask me about autopsy here in a minute, but that for me is where it starts. Awesome. And I'm going to start right at the beginning of your book with your first sentence. And that is what hooked me right away. <laughs> this is not the life I ordered. Mm. Yep. You struck a chord <laughs> with me right there. No one gets married with the hope and intent of getting divorced. True. It, you know, we all go into it with our, our best selves and our partner's best self and hopes and dreams. And, and we all want it to work. And when it doesn't, it's difficult. It's really difficult. It, it absolutely, it absolutely is. And so that's obviously how you felt. I'm sure that resonates with anyone who has been through or is going through a divorce, uh, a divorce right now. What was me, what was like the first thing that you, that, that you did to start your healing? You know, it took me so long because my first impulse when I, you know, discovered my husband's infidelity was that we just have to fix this. You know, we've had a lifetime together. We just need to fix this. Right. And I, we started in couples therapy and, uh, you know, nine months into it, I found out he'd still been connecting with the other woman the entire time. And mm -hmm. at that point, I realized that it takes two people to repair anything, any relationship, you know, whether it's a, a marriage or a friendship, you both have to have the desire. And he was not sure he did. So at that point, I had to start working on me, on healing me, making decisions on what was best for me. And that was a pivot point. Once I did that, um, 
I started to feel a little bit less frightened of the idea of not having this relationship anymore. And it's, it's making that pivot that I'm going to do the right thing for the right reason for me. And I'm going to do it with love and kindness. Hmm. That was the biggest, the biggest jump mm-hmm. I had to make. A few big jumps right there. And yeah. I, I like that addition with, with love and kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, my mom um, would often say to me, Louise, be kind to yourself. And it wasn't until I really became, you know, became an adult that I really appreciated that because I hear my mom, who I adore, um, I hear that voice in my head a lot of times. Oh, what a lovely gift from your mom. mom. It isn't, it is a lovely gift. And sometimes, sorry, mom, because mom's probably going to be listening to this, but sometimes it's the the not nice mom voice that I hear, but (laughs) more often than not. Well... All we mums have those moments. We do. My four boys will, you know, in the future hear that mum voice that they'll be like, there she is again. Well, Um, Louise, do you remember you, I know you have young children when you get on the plane and they give you that speech about, you know, put the mask on you first. I've got to tell you when I was traveling with my son, literally while they were saying that I was saying to myself, you are totally nuts. I am taking care of my child first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I confused self-care and selfish. And, uh, you know, I just thought I always have to, I have to take care of everybody else first. It was, it was the way to, to be, to be, because I felt like I could do a lot of things. So I wanted to. And the divorce made me aware of, you know, that, that when you're depleted yourself, you can't give. You can't, you can't do anything. So taking care of yourself isn't selfish at all. It yeah. really is not selfish. And so that was the second piece, you know, I, I've got to start with me and then I've got to take really good care of myself and so that I operate from strength. Oh, I love that. And so how did you do that? And you said that in your book, I'd always put others' needs before my own. And, and I think most women can, can attest to feeling the same way. And you said, but finally, through my healing efforts, learned that selfish and self-care were not the same thing. Yes. So, you mentioned a moment ago that it was a, is a mindset shift yes. um, and a couple of pivots that this being another pivot point. So what did, once you made that mental shift, what did that start looking like? What, what did you do? You know, it was a, a, a thousand little changes. Hmm. Um, for example, in, in our marriage, my, my husband is uh, very athletic and he always liked to go and work out and I never did any of that. And I, had started to walk because I was very stressed by everything that was going on. And walking is just wonderful. You know, you, you, you burn off a lot of energy. Well, I made the very simple decision that I was going to get up earlier an hour earlier and walk before I went to work every day. And so I started out, you know, burning off some of that anxiety and feel, you know, the more I would walk, the, the more my mind would settle in and I would start to think about, you know, I would always do gratitude practice, you know, what's coming up today and what I have to be grateful for. And it would center me. And it was just that one little thing that made a difference. And then uh, another example is um, I decided to buy a really expensive pair of walking shoes. Mm-hmm. Now you say, Jude, really shoes? Well, but for my uh, husband, because he was athletic, we always bought him the best shoes and the best equipment, but I had never had a pair of good walking shoes. Wow. And I'm telling you, I felt like a million bucks coming out of that store. 
I was poorer. <laughs> Those things are expensive. But it made such a difference in how far I could walk, how long I could walk, how comfortably I could walk. And it was just, I'm just doing this to take care of myself. You're worth I've, it. Yes. Worth, you are worth having that good pair of shoes. And so whatever that may be for someone listening right now who you know, they'll, they'll resonate with someone that will resonate. Yes. It's not about the shoes actually at all, is it? No, no, it's about taking care. And you know, as I got more interested in walking, I started to do some like 5Ks and I met all these other amazing walkers. So suddenly I had something new in my life and, and that was another pivot. I, you know, this was not something I'd ever done as a couple. This was all me. And that's, that, that was important to me to just start doing things because they delighted me and it was, it was worth it. Absolutely. What, what other things, I mean, in, cha in chapter two, you talk about shifting perspective and, and you're talking about that now. And there's so many things that you, that you go through and walk, walk the, the reader through. Um, but I, I, it made me reflect on all of the shifts, all of the things that I felt secure in finances, mm. um, just where I sort of fit in society, um, how teachers looked at me, spoke to me, things that oh. I'd taken for granted completely before. Self-esteem, body image, all this stuff. So oh, everything, everything yeah. shifts. You know, I, I talk in there about, you know, the day you sign the divorce papers, it's like, okay, now you're divorced. You have stopped being a wife. Right. Or, you know, <clears throat> or if you're just ending a relationship, you've stopped being the significant other, the partner. Well, that's a large part of your identity, particularly with couples. You've probably been hanging around with other couples and suddenly you're not a couple <laughs> and you don't really fit any longer in that group, especially if your ex has a new partner and they've sort of folded her, brought her into the fold. So you're, you're now a single woman or a, as they say in French, a femme soil. You know, it, it's a completely different way of operating in the world. Uh, one of the examples I give in the book is, you know, I went into the doctor's office and you have to put, you know, first of all, I had to check divorced. It was like, oh man. Yeah. And then who to contact in case of emergency. Yeah. You don't have that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out, well, you know, which girlfriend or friend can I ask? And Will they really be available? And it's a huge unsettling of how you operate in the world. And make it, once again, you're pivoting. I like that term. And I, I said, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to uh, find out who's going to be my go-to people. And I found out I could have more than one of them. And I also found out that people were, my friends were really willing to do that. And that was lovely. You know, it's another thing you find out as you go along the path. Yeah, I guess it's those moments that you're not expecting, like you just described being at the doctor's office, those yep. moments that take your breath away because you're reminded of being divorced and the situation and the emotion, whatever it may be, in these situations that you weren't expecting it to happen. Yes, it's and like it makes, being blindsided. Yeah, it makes you feel really vulnerable in those moments. And I think right at the beginning of our conversation, when I was saying thank you for writing this book because it, the way it spoke to me, uh, those moments of sadness that I that that I still periodically feel, 
they, they blindsided me and I, and I did not, I thought I mustn't have been, I must not be fully healed. And, uh, Oh no, you're, you are, you're in exactly the right place when you're, you are healing continually. Yeah. Um, and you know what, what we're talking about here is grief. Yeah. And it's not that you're not happy with your fiance or delighted with your children or your life. It has nothing to do that. You're grieving. It's even more than grieving what was lost. You're grieving what might have been, right. you know, what you were anticipating in that marriage. And that's, that's a normal human thing to feel. And I usually tell my, my clients just stop when that happens and yeah. drop into that feeling, you know, allow yourself to grieve that and, and really feel those feelings and, you can come back to being grateful for all you have, but feeling that grief doesn't mean you're not grateful or you're not healed or you're not moved on. It just yeah. means you really lost something. Yeah. And, uh, and so again, yeah, that was, that was interesting for me to be exploring that. And you gave me that freedom and permission. And I, I know I've said it already a couple of times, but it really was significant for me. And, and, and thank you. Doesn't do, doesn't do it justice. Um, you do mention in the book, there's so many fascinating things. There's two things I was just wanting to mention right now. One is you said, you may feel as if part of your life has been severed, like a limb amputation. For a long time, you may experience phantom pain, feeling the wife part when you know that piece of you is gone, but you are a starfish. That severed arm will grow back and you'll be stronger and more beautiful than ever. Yep. It was just... <laughs> It was sad and powerful at the same time. Like in this paragraph, there was this, I, you know, the, this range of emotions. It was just a tidal wave of emotions. And so I wanted to share that with the audience because if that resonates with you, and if nothing else has already, I'd be surprised. <laughs> but if that resonates with you, this, I just invite you to, to send an email to Jude jude at secondbloomcoaching.com so you can get your hands and your eyes and your heart um, into, this, into this book. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention similar to, to, to that paragraph, Jude, was you wrote many women say it would be easier to be widowed than divorced. I'd never thought of that. So tell us a little bit about what you, what, what you mean. Yes, I, I, had, I had heard that a, a lot, but um, here's the thing. If your partner your husband has died. Everyone feels sorry for you and, and they allow you to grieve, you know, and you can grieve for a long time as a widow. Um, and, and there are widows groups and, you know, people really understand the depth of your loss. But if you have divorced, and especially if you are better off since you've divorced either emotionally or spiritually or, or however, it was really a good thing for the marriage to end, people are uh, impatient about that. They want you to just move on. Uh, and if you start to maybe talk about something from the divorce, if you're still healing, maybe you want to you know, just talk about something that really pained you during the course of, of the divorce or betrayal or whatever was happening. You'll see people, they kind of shift their eyes away or they deliberately change the subject and that's difficult because this is important to you and you, you want to talk about it. You want to keep feeling it or the worst possible thing. And this happened to me, unfortunately with two friends, you sort of become shunned. 
They just don't want to be around you because you're not back to who you were fast enough for them. Right. And I, I don't think they do it, you know, they would, they would never think they were being cruel. It would be like, this is for your own good. You know, you just need to stop with this. But it's not. It's a long, a long healing path. And if you are a widow, people will give you a lot of tolerance about that. Plus, as a widow, you know, you inherited all the money. <laughs> you still have your home. You don't have to be sharing your children. You know, you don't have custodial things. In a lot of ways, it's easier. You know, if you divorce, suddenly the money that you thought you had, you don't. Right. You know, and, and you know, the truth is, in most divorces, women do not fare well. You know, they, they are not, they don't often fare well, especially if they've been home with the children for a while and, you know, haven't, you know, put a lot of, um, haven't had a lot of earnings. So, yeah, I it definitely, although I no way want to diminish the pain of being a widow. No, I know. I, I know that is heart wrenching. And, uh, and my, my, my heart goes to all those women experiencing that. Um, but divorce is different. You're, you're not entitled to the same range of emotion. Yeah, and, and it is interesting how you do explore that in, in, in the book. And, and what I'd love to do is do another pivot. And okay. I'd like to start talking about, and you start talking about this in Chapter 5, about transforming your trauma. And before I ask, before I get into the goodness um, of that chapter, I wanted to first go back to um, something that you said. You made a comment about there being groups for widows. You, in fact, have just recently started a group, a Facebook group, I believe. Yes. So let, let us explore. So where, what's the name of this group and how can people get part of this group if they are so inclined? Uh, you can search for it on Facebook. It's Women <clears throat> Creating Blissful Post-Divorce Lives. Is that right? <laughs> yes. I, I, I think right. I've got it right. I think you got that right. Women <laughs> post-divorce lives. And I'm yes. absolutely going to check that out. And I think what a great place that you are providing women to have permission to explore this. Um, I think it's a fantastic idea. And those listening now who want to check that out, please do. Again, it's women creating blissful post-divorce lives. I will see you there. Yes, I, I welcome that. It's, it's a new thing. I've just started it and I have so many ideas for some content to share there. And uh, the point is I want it to be a, a place for women to share. Not, this is not a, he done me wrong yes. kind of a place. <laughs> There's plenty of places for that on the internet, I'm sure. This is for, I'm ready to move on and create something new and wonderful. And I want to harness the energy uh, and join with other women who are doing that too. It's meant to be an encouraging place. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, um, well, we're, we're just rolling up to that, but it's going to be good. I'm excited. It is going to be great. So in chapter five, as I was mentioning a moment ago, transform your trauma. I really loved one of the exercises in here that you have. Your assignment is to brainstorm <laughs> ways to celebrate you. Tell me, yes. how, did you, how did this come to be and what was that experience like for you? 
<laughs> well, for one thing, I have to admit I'm like a Paul Simon groupie. If you remember 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Yes. <laughs> I always like that song. And it always kind of bothered me that he didn't get to all 50. But <laughs> the, the, the joke was, you know, instead of 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, because you only needed one way to do that and it's done. You're divorced. <laughs> right. we, we've, got, we, we've got that. We want to do 50 Ways to Celebrate You. And I want people to get really creative about it, to, you know, everything from the ridiculous to the sublime. And my favorite way to do this, um, you know, if I'm coaching you, we, we start it together. But even if we start it together, I encourage people to invite over some friends, men, women, coworkers, who, whomever, uh, throw a pizza party or a cupcake party and tell them, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, I need 50 ways you know, to celebrate me, you know, 50 wonderful things to do and ways that I can enhance my life. So come on over and help me, help me do that. Help me create those 50 ways. And it's fun. It's really fun. I've, I've done this with a couple of people, you know, and it could be, you know, literally the ridiculous to the sublime. It could be someone saying, oh my God, you have like the most wonderful hair. Now, trust me, no one would say that to me in particular. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were really trying to make me feel better on a good day. But, you know, it could be something like, you know, oh, well, let's celebrate by everybody raising their cupcake in the air and saying, here's to you and here's to your future. Stuff like that. Fun. Yeah. Fun, it fun things. Fills, it fills your tank with positivity. And you, you talk about later on in the book, but I feel compelled to talk about it now, the importance of tribe. Yes. Tell us. Yes. All, I've got an idea of what <coughs> tribes mean um, and how they influence my life and how they support. But talk to us about the tribes in the context of, of post-divorce bliss. <coughs> this really came from my personal experience because I was, uh, my husband and I, we really were best friends. Uh, the joke used to be, and I would, I've said this more times than probably most of my friends appreciated, it didn't matter to me who was at a party we went to because I came with the most interesting person and my favorite person. So wow. it didn't matter who else was there. We could talk to each other and be, it would be a great party. And he was my go-to person for sharing. So I had girlfriends, but I didn't, share with them at the level I shared with my husband. So when suddenly he was with someone else and, you know, not wanting to share with me, I realized how lonely I was. You know, I had a lot of friends, but they were at a, a, a less deep, a less intimate level. So I, I decided I needed to create a new tribe. Hmm. Uh, and for me, tribe can be, it's multi-layered. I mean, I have lots of different tribes. I'm a writer, for example. Every Sunday morning, I meet with three other writers at this funky little restaurant out in Yellow Springs, Ohio, which is still in the 60s. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And we get together and we write. And we are so close. And they're, they're my, I literally call them my writing tribe. Uh, okay. And I connect with them. In the literary community, I have a tribe. Um, but I needed deeper friendships and we're, we're sort of going to jump over a little bit here into uh, you know talking about um, holidays and traditions and how you have to change things but if it's okay I'll tell a story that kind of connects those two things absolutely please okay. do well in my 
married life, Christmas was a huge, huge holiday. Um, and our tree had ornaments from our lives together. Travel, our sons, you know, the little ornaments that they make when they're kids that are just so God awful, but you love them. <laughs> and they're on your tree and, and they're your favorites. Yeah. And I also had um, a horsehair pair that had been given to me by my mother in my first year of marriage. And she gave it to me because her mother gave it to her the first year she was married. So it was always the first ornament on the tree. So the tree was very significant and Christmas day was very significant. We have no family in the town where we live. So we invited a lot of our friends over and for years we would celebrate Christmas morning, really Christmas day together. I would bake sausage bread all day long. It was deep, deeply rooted tradition. Well, when he was gone, and their children started to have children. So the whole dynamic changed and Christmas was lonely and uh, I didn't know quite what to do. So one year I decided um, to celebrate the winter solstice, which you know is the, the longest night of the year. I invited women over. I made it very casual. Um, I made a pot of chili and we had some bread and um, another woman brought a cake for dessert, kept the, the food simple, but we created a little ceremony where each woman chose a watchword for the year. Mm. Um, like it might be joy. It might be practice, peace, um, abundance. You, you all picked a word. We lit candles around the circle. We shared the words and we said, this is what I want to leave in the darkness in this darkest day of the year. And, and this is, this word uh, stands for what I want to embrace. People, I could not believe how these women shared so open-heartedly. It was just astonishing. And then I gave them each a catalpa seed pod, which is like a long, skinny seed pod. Then I gave them two. They wrote their word on it twice. They took one home, and I kept one, and I promised to honor and hold the energy of those words. So it was wonderful. It was magical. That is now a 10-year tradition for me. I, I think I'm, one of the most beautiful traditions I've actually ever, ever heard. And I loved reading about that in your book. Yeah, the, these women are my solstice sister tribe. And they, I don't put up a Christmas tree anymore. I just decorate my mantle with greenery. And I always put that horsehair pair on there first because I honor my parents' long marriage and Hers, mm -hmm. mothers before her and instead of ornaments I have stones where I've written each of the words so it's my new history is is laid out in in those words on on the mantle and women have told me they love this so much that one woman that comes from somewhere else just to be here for uh, this it's very precious it's it sounds it it, it sounds it. And it's captivating hearing you speak of it after, even after I've read about it and I knew what was coming. I was <laughs> on to your every word. There's just so, there's just so much in, in, in that. And I, and I loved hearing it again, hearing it. Well, again. I'll, I'll tell you a little magical story now about it. <laughs> okay. One of the, the women are, are very varied in age. I mean, they're probably the youngest is probably 20 something and the oldest is in her seventies. I mean, we, we're a very, uh, age diverse group and um, one year uh, we did vision boards that was our craft activity yes. and one of our members she really really wanted to have a baby 
So she put a little baby on the vision board and we're all like, we are all behind you. We are energetically supporting you. Well, when, we, when she went home that night, the baby had fallen off the vision board. And she thought, oh no. Well, the baby fell off because she was pregnant. Ah! I know, so it's so wonderful. Well, that was four years ago. And we just gathered for, we also have now started to celebrate summer solstice together. And we report in on our words on the longest day of the year, you know, how they're showing up in our lives. And um, she was here and she said, well, I, I really, I'm, I'm hoping for another baby. And we're all like, we're behind you. You know, we, and I, and she's having another baby. So I know, isn't that just the most magical, wonderful thing? The the women are, the the tribe is just ecstatic for her. You know, this baby, as the first one does, has a lot of extra godmothers. (laughs) Yes. And it, it reminds me of the power of, 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 of women supporting women. Yes, absolutely. So much strength. There's so much strength there when we turn outwards to and, and seek and seek them out. Yes, and that I was not capitalizing on that while I was married. I had this notion that you know I needed to save all that for my 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 marriage. My one intimate relationship was more important than anything else. That's one of the lessons I learned. You know, have a tribe. Have your girlfriends, yeah. you know, celebrate with them. It won't make your marriage worse or better. It's just something you deserve. It and is, I think it, it makes us fuller as women. That's exactly what I was going to say. And as a result, I think that means that we're able to bring our best self wherever we go. And that's not what we're all sort of striving, striving to. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, I see in these women such amazing things. And when we're doing our discussion at summer solstice, when we're talking about, you know, people say, Oh, I haven't really been thinking about my word. And they'll think about it and they'll go, Oh my goodness. It showed up here. It showed up here. It showed up here. And it's just becoming intentional and having that, those other women supporting you is fabulous. I mean, it's just, you know, all our superpowers are just flying around this circle. It's really it's really very, very, very special. And that's why when I coach women, I say, you really got to look around, you know, and that's how I connected. There were other ways too, but, you know, find something you're passionate about or something you're trying to heal. I mean, maybe you like to hook rugs or maybe you are a knitter or maybe you join another a book club um, or, or a walking group. Uh, there are just so many ways to get out there and, and connect just put yourself out there. Just put yourself out there. I, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. I, I know for myself, and I don't know if this is sort of normal, but I know for myself, uh, when, I, when I, in times of stress, I turn inwards. Yes. And it's like going into a cozy pair of old slippers. Um, and it doesn't, but it doesn't serve me well. The slippers are worn out and it needs to, they need mm-hmm. to they're not serving me. Um, and so I find that I've learned now when I feel like that, I actually need to resist the urge to go inwards and then reach out to my tribe. Yes. And I think, uh, especially for women who are introverts, sometimes it's a little bit harder, mm-hmm. but if you, you know, my, my suggestion about that is then go to a smaller group or go to something like a book club where you won't necessarily 
it's not like a cocktail party where you have to interact the whole time. You sort of match up your superpowers, your wonderfulness, and, and find out where that fits. And also to be compassionate about it. Suppose you go and you try something and it, it just makes you miserable. Then don't do that one again. <laughs> <laughs> just say, it's not like, oh, that wasn't working. I didn't do that right. No, that just wasn't your cup of tea. You know, find something else. Yeah, it's so funny else. when you say that, Jude, because we do do that, don't we? <laughs> yes. We are so hard on ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, that's okay. Move on. You know, there, there, are, um, there, are, there it's a wide and varied world. Uh, whenever I start to feel lonely, I think there are so many people out there. You know, I just need to look around a little more. Yeah, I like that. It's a wide and varied world. It certainly is. Um, another important factor that, I, that you refer to in the book that we've not touched on yet is the importance of balancing your body. You've talked about it a little bit in terms of you joining a walking club. Um, mm -hmm. but that's, you're not just suggesting that was something you did. You're suggesting that it's useful and beneficial for, for everyone to do. Is that, is that, is that yes. the Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes um, in the divorce process, we can start to feel rejected about our bodies. Maybe, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, I'm just not attracted to you anymore. Or, you know, oh, well, you're 10 pounds heavier than we married. There's a lot of body criticism that sometimes comes into play when relationships end. Right. And doing something like walking, and it doesn't have to be walking. I love Zumba. I love line dancing, you know, but first of all, just getting your body in motion is really, really, really good for your spirit. And as you are in motion, wonderful thoughts will come to you. you know, I don't know if it's the endorphins or just the freedom of movement, but it really, really, really helps. And by doing that, you become physically stronger. And when you are physically stronger, you're emotionally stronger. I didn't make that connection until I was at it for a while. And, right. you know, when you, when you take on a physical challenge, um, sometimes people will walk a 5K or um, they'll learn uh, a new dance step or they'll try Pilates. Maybe they've never done Pilates before. Or they might just be in their living room with, you know, an old Richard Simmons the video but getting yourself moving is really powerful stuff powerful powerful stuff clears your mind gives you strength um and and you will meet other people that way too so it's it's kind of an all-in-one bonus yeah it, it i i know i feel that way as well um and it was a huge part of my healing um going through going through divorce as well, you get such clarity. I got such clarity that yes. I couldn't get during other part times during, um, during my day. Um, and you said that in the book as well. So that struck me. I was like, Oh, that was me too. You said I exercise daily because it adds power to my body and frees my mind. Yep. So in a nutshell. Really, yeah. That really, really resonated. I, um, I don't remember that sentence, but by God, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the smart person wrote that. 
You also said something that I was wanting to know what you mean. You said, don't change the way you look, change the way you see. Yes. How that, that is a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, you know, there, okay. there is sometimes wisdom in bumper sticker. <laughs> wisdom is everywhere. Yeah. If it, it's by change the way you look, I mean, don't be so concerned about, Oh my gosh, my belly's too big or, um, Oh, my, my thighs, they're not very muscular or, Oh, my nose is, too, you know, it's, it's all about your, your physical appearance. Instead of changing the way you look, you know, changing some part of you, change the way you see yourself, you know, look in the mirror and say, I have fabulous green eyes. And you know what? These legs may not be like a Victoria's secret runway models legs, but they carry me everywhere I want to go. And I look really good in these tights. So it's about how you see yourself and how you see other women too. You know, look at them and look for what's good and attractive and, and um, enticing about them. Because when you start seeing in other women, you start seeing it in yourself. It's, it was like my personal way of stepping away from the, the body shaming and, and body overly conscious culture that we have. I think one of the things I found, one of the many things I found so powerful about how you wrote and your approach to post-divorce bliss, ending us and finding me, um, was how, how, much, how much of an influence the mindset is. I felt like that was really a massive aspect through, that was the thread through the whole book. And you know, too, it, it, it sounds so easy. Well, just change your mindset, change the way you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, <laughs> yes. but in, incrementally it can be, you can take that, you know, that, that saying about you just do the next right thing. Just right. do the next right stuff. Like with, with uh, you're feeling positive about your body. I have a whole bunch of mantras. Like one of mine is I exercise daily because it adds power to my body and freeze my mind. Yeah. So I'm starting from that, that power place. And, yes. you know, uh, you know, another one is I didn't do that very well and I'm going to do better next time. Yeah. It's the, it's the use of and instead of, but you know, you can, you can, you can, you can say, uh, you know, this didn't go well, or, or it might be like, I don't feel good about myself right now. And I'm going to go get my nails done so I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. that and, the power of and. I, I actually just wanted to touch on something that you, that you shared. I, I very much believe that you know, happiness is an inside job. And, I, and, and certainly everything that you've shared with us, it really is about the inside, internal transformation, and that includes mindset. But there is something still to say about dogs in the background <laughs> yes sorry there's someone oh it's okay it's yeah. Okay. Um, yeah someone rang my doorbell sorry okay i love dogs um, there's, there's something really um to say and i've got off, top, off track now i was listening to your lovely dogs sorry that's okay um where was i going uh <laughs> my my brain fritzed a little bit too this is where we get to pack practice a little 
self-compassion. It is. It is. And you know, this is why I like live radio because this is it folks. It happens. It happens. <laughs> we laugh at ourselves, have a little chuckle and we move on. So I would love to hear now as we're coming close to the top of the hour. Tell me about chapter 10. It's, you said restore your life. I loved that. So tell us yes. how you do that and what's, what's your new story? Well, you know, first of all, I went from wife to single woman. That was part of my changing. Uh, but I also started, I had been a teacher my entire life and I loved it very much. I enjoyed it, but I, I'm, now I'm a life coach and a writer. I completely changed it around, doing some things that I had been wanting to do, have been sort of back there. And also it's about what you tell yourself about your life. Hmm. You know, you can say, you know, uh, you know, my marriage failed. Or you can say, I learned a lot from my marriage and I'm taking everything I learned into my new life now. Wow. So you, you tell the story differently and you create a new story and you get to be in charge of that. It's, it's both terrifying and incredibly energizing simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. can see that there's just so much power in that because it's all within you. Yes. In, in certain situations um, with divorce, as we know, it only takes one party to say, I'm sorry, I'm out. Yes. And it may not be your choice at all. It may not be your choice, and you have no control over that. Exactly. So what a, an amazing way of asserting your own power over self. Yes. And, and you can, the other good thing about this, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but the good thing is it isn't a one-time thing. You mm -hmm. don't restore your life and say, well, now I'm only going to do this. You get to do this as often and in as many ways as you like. You can, you know, while your children are still young, you're still doing a lot of mothering as a single mother. And when your children are older, you can sort of leave some of your mothering duties and say, ah, I've got this space now and I know how to fill it because I've been thinking about restoring and I have, I have my list. I have things I want to try. And it's, it's all there for you. Uh, it's not an easy path. I don't want to ever imply that getting past divorce is easy. It is not. It's painful and difficult and a lot goes on. But it is wonderful when you get to the other side. Yes. And there are lots of people out there who have experiences and are on the other side and want to help you. You know, want to reach an arm back and say, come on, you can do this. And it's going to be okay and and that's what i feel and know that you have provided through both the facebook group which i realize is new but we'll provide that mm -hmm. people, and yes the book has provided so it's it's that roadmap it's that that path so you know if if we were when i think about myself when i first got divorced i knew in my head that things would be fine but i had no idea how to connect point a to point b and you've created that connection and so wonderful and so thank you for saying that ab absolutely and that just kind of dawned on me now um to be to be honest as as we're, as we're talking and i think that is such a gift so for those listening right now who who want to know how to get their hands on this, who may not have heard me uh, earlier in this episode, 
I invite you to get a free copy of Jude's ebook, Post Divorce Bliss Ending Us and Finding Me, by emailing Jude at the following email address Jude at secondbloomcoaching.com. And second is spelled out yep. S E O N D, so secondbloomcoaching.com. And again, the Facebook group, which we would love to see you in, I'm joining myself. Uh, that is called Women Creating Blissful Post Divorce Lives. Yes. So we are now at the top of the hour, Jude. I want to thank you so much for your time, for your for your sharing, your your kind heart, both through this hour and everything that you left on on those pages of your ebook. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a delight. I am. I, I, <laughs> the feeling is mutual, and and I and I the dogs agree as well. Yes. So, uh, so, on, on that note, I would uh, like to also say thank you to my loyal listeners um, and remind you that information about my radio show and my guests can be found at louisehreed.com. And as always, I love to give a big shout out to my producer at Contact Talk Radio, Cameron. And finally, I'm here to highlight and showcase people who are taking brave, bold action, whose actions have a positive impact in our world, like Jude. And so with that said, I'd like to encourage you all to be brave, be bold, and be happy. Until next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm Louise H. Reed, wishing you an amazing day. Goodbye, friends.